0: Hi everyone, I'm Max. And I'm Kayla. And this is Doesn't Anybody Ever Get It Right?
1: A podcast where it may sound like we're hating on shows, but we really love them and are trying to
0: make them better. This week, we're reimagining documentary film turned Broadway musical, hands on a hard body.
1: If you haven't seen the documentary or the musical, here's a little synopsis. Ten contestants vie for a hard body truck at Floyd King Nissan in Longview, Texas. The last contestant who has their hands on the truck wins it. All their life stories, some tragic, some comic, are revealed as hours crawl by in the Texan sun. Tension mounts as contestants start to drop like flies, and a cheating scheme is revealed. The contest ends rather suddenly when an act of faith causes the penultimate contestant to remove her hands from the truck. Thus, the least likable contestant in the musical wins the truck.
0: The musical is based on a documentary film of the same name from 1997, The Year I Was Born. Interesting facts about the original documentary, there's actually, there was in 2006, a full-length film adaptation that was in development, which was supposed to be directed by Robert Altman. But he died. and Unfortunately, he did die. And this is the only film that famed director Quentin Tarantino can, quote, recommend to anyone and everyone.
1: I say the same thing about Kill Bill.
0: (laughs) The musical adaptation was commissioned by La Jolla Playhouse in California. The book is by the Pulitzer and Tony Award-winning Doug Wright. The music is by Trey Anastasio from the rock band Fish. And lyrics by Amanda Green, co-lyricist of Bring It On.
1: The first reading was held in April of 2011, and the show premiered in earnest at La Jolla Playhouse, and it played from April 2012 through June 2012. From there, it moved straight to The Great White Way, where previews began on February 23rd, 2013. The show opened on March 21st, 2013, and closed not too long thereafter on April 13th of the same year. There were only 28 previews and 28 performances. It was, in fact, the fastest-closing new musical of the season, A Crown No One Wants.
0: No. Somehow, though, it was nominated for three Tony Awards, including Best Original Score? mark and well-deserved nominations for Best Featured Actor and Best Featured Actress.
1: There were some phenomenal performances in
0: this show. And it's like riddled with stars that you wouldn't expect to be in there, huh? The rumored cost for this show was $420,000 a week. And unfortunately, it never made anywhere close to that. Its best week was the week of Easter in which it only made $321,043.
1: Wasn't it at its best, like, one-third sold?
0: Yeah, one-third sold. So can you imagine being these artists on that stage?
1: Putting their hearts out every night. Ooh, they really did their best. They did their best with a difficult piece of material. You know, the New York Times had not glowing, but not terrible things to say. Not Tarzan Um,
0: levels of scathing. (laughs)
1: not Tarzan level, not Carrie level. It critically did okay. They they thought, quote, although it's far from fully loaded in a conventional sense, this scrappy, sincere new musical brings a fresh, handmade feeling to Broadway, which isn't a bad thing. Hands on a hard body simply sings forth a story of endurance, hardship, and the dimming American dream. We'll talk about this more in our reimagining portion, but the New York Times said that the show's biggest issue was the static nature of the storyline, which I don't think is the biggest problem because the same storyline an even less complex storyline was presented in the documentary and it was an incredibly successful human interest piece and so i think if the characters were focused on which we'll get into later the show could have been very successful so i disagree with you new york times but I do agree about the next point, which was, quote, I wish, too, that the musical's authors were not quite so thorough in canvassing the headline-making troubles of Americans today. The show sometimes seems to be singing the platform of the Democratic Party's liberal wing. I'm as I'm a liberal. Surprise. Do I think that this show should be a liberal talk piece? No, I do not.
0: Not at all. The publication Vulture said, quote, All the cast and author's skill can't finesse the problem of the emotional scale. Throughout the opening number, you feel the workings of a giant air pump artificially swelling the character's motivations to singable size. For all the worthy effort to valorize lives not usually depicted in musicals, this has the opposite effect. It seems to make them petty.
1: Which is such a bummer because these people sold their life rights, you know, like these are real individuals. And... With shows like Come From Away, we see the incredible success with stories of real people living their lives and having an extraordinary circumstance. Whether like in Come From Away it was something completely out of their control or in Hands on a Hard Body where it was an extraordinary circumstance that they subjected themselves to. And looking at how they did that and why it could be so fascinating. So I don't know. The Washington Post said that, quote, maybe the show really works if you can get it to full throttle, but this feels pedestrian, which is maybe true. I don't know. It just it doesn't belong in a, in a proscenium theater and it didn't work.
0: Yep. And finally, our last publication we're going to quote is The Hollywood Reporter hands on a hard body seems an unlikely candidate for musicalization, yet when you break it down to its core elements, the show is structurally not far removed from a chorus line, which I thought was very, it was a very interesting perspective, yeah. Um, this is something we'll talk about heavily later, but... Quote, the score is more pleasant than memorable, but even the lesser numbers serve to tell micro stories that contribute to the broader canvas picture of a struggling community. And finally, the quote I agree with the most the show seems stretched at the two hour, 20 minute mark. Tightening it into a one act might heighten its impact.
1: And that is a beautiful note to start our reimagining. Let's make this show all of it can be.
0: We're so excited to have Emma McKean here.
2: Yeah, but I don't believe you. Say it with more (laughs) conviction! I didn't find truth in that.
0: Emma is a recent graduate from the Hart School where she received her BFA in acting. In addition to the Hart School, Emma has studied at the Drama Studio in London and the Stella Adler Studio in New York City. She just wrapped up filming on an adaptation of Big Love by Charles Mee in which she played Lydia. Some of her other favorite past projects include Two Pretty Best Friends, an original sketch comedy web series, The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, A Midsummer Night's Dream, and Hartford's Stages, A Community Carol. A recent transplant to New York City, Emma can be found cooking spicy food, snuggling her French bulldog Bumbus, and playing Hearthstone. Emma, welcome to Doesn't Anybody Ever Get It Right?
1: <laughs> Hello, it's so... A- So rad to be here. Doesn't it feel like your entire life has somehow led to this moment? A
2: little bit, yeah.
1: I mean, you were friends with both of us for many years before we knew each other.
2: That is true. Yeah. That is true. I lived with Max for a spell. I lived
1: with Kayla for a spell. Your first trip sans adults to New York was with me. And now you live there. Oh, my God. That's right. time Passed by the stories. 110th. <laughs> yeah, we, we would spend our entire food budget for the day on Starbucks and then be like, we can't eat anything else if we're going to see three shows. It was an unhealthy moment for
2: us. I, I mean, we've made better choices, but we've made we've worse, made worse. too.
0: So. <laughs> I fully relate. When I was in London and I saw, and Emma and I saw um, Dear Evan Hansen there with my partner, Julia and I, over the course of five days, saw eight shows because it was a max weekend. <laughs> So, Emma, I have a question for you. Yeah, what's up? Why Hands on a Hard Body? Why?
2: (laughs) Why, God, why? I actually, my first exposure to Hands on a Hard Body was through the documentary, and then the only time I've seen the musical, it was actually done as a sophomore project at Heart, where there was no set, and the hard body was a stack of blocks, and it was so intimate, and I was... Disappointed in what the book had to offer because I love the documentary so much. And I think if it was truer to the source material, that
1: this could be awesome. That is the conundrum with this piece because in some ways it's so reliant on the source material. I feel like especially Mm -hmm. for specific lines of dialogue and lyrics. But then it totally strays in the stuff that matters in the tone of the piece and in the actual plot.
0: I was telling my partner when I was frantically listening to this show on loop for the past five days, often when you're pitching a show to a company or you write a director's note for a program, you often talk about why you're doing this show now. And my question for Hardbody is why this show ever? Uh, <laughs> so that's what we're going to try to do is fix it so that people have a reason to do this show.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I found myself getting excited about it the more time I spent with it, but definitely at first glance, it's, it's not much to look at, but we're going to, we're going to shine her up, give her a new set of wheels and pat her on, pat her on the back and send her off to drive across country. That was a really labored metaphor. Awesome. Yeah. It was really not. Let's, let's cut that for sure. Okay. <laughs>
0: so um we'll start the way that we always do with the foundation of the play i would like to talk about the tone of this show because the tone wavers throughout um sometimes it feels like it's a straight-up comedy and other times it feels like it's supposed to be a um, human a human drama kind of thing where you're supposed to relate to everybody and understand that they are all suffering in different ways and then you get song, and then you get lines like car don't make money, truck make money. And you can't help but hear that at the very end of the opening number and be like, is this all a satire? What whose is idea this? was this?
1: Did they just put the lines from the film in the hat and draw at random?
0: It really felt like they did. <laughs> My question to like the group, and I've of course already answered this, but is this a honest show about a community that is struggling, and this truck represents to these people an actual way out of struggle, or is this a tongue-in-cheek thing for rich theater people to come and laugh at?
2: I think two things can be true. I think the heart of the show is in a good place. And it could be about community and coming together and struggles. And the cool thing about the documentary is that the people in the documentary are real people. you're like, whoa, real people like this exist and this is their ticket out. And that is such a different walk of life than anything I grew up around and anything you really see in New York. So doing the show in New York on Broadway sort of feels like it is for
1: old rich people to be like, oh, the South. All right, Max, this show is too long. Cut it, cut it down, please.
0: Yeah, so the length of this show, if you remember from the history portion of the podcast, one of the reviewers talked about the fact that the show feels really stretched into its two hour runtime. I completely agree. This 100% needs to be a one act musical. Of course, there's the whole drama of can you sell a one-act musical on Broadway, but that's a whole different thing entirely. Yes. Make me uh, a guest on that episode.
2: <laughs> it's been done. It'll keep being... Yes, you can.
0: <laughs> 90 minutes, 60 minutes if we're lucky. I would prefer to cut this to 60 minutes.
1: Eh, I'd say 75 to 90. But I yeah, I also 90. think that... Yeah, I think that the length is part of the problem. And I also think that this show is about something that doesn't stop... And so having yeah. an intermission completely goes against the flow of this continuous 99 or whatever hours that we're supposed to spend with these people. It doesn't make any sense with the story. So, yeah, intermission goes bye-bye. Yeah, it doesn't work. We've, t- we've talked about how it doesn't make a lot of sense in New York. It doesn't make a lot of sense as a traditional two-act Broadway musical. I don't think the show should be put in a theater ever. I'm not saying it shouldn't be done. I'm saying it can't be done in the theater. I completely
2: agree. Except I think this show has a couple paths of working. Okay. It should either be done like what you have described, not in the theater, maybe like in a rodeo setup, in an actual parking lot, give it full immersion or absolutely nothing. The truck actually isn't there. There's no set. It's just absolutely, completely bare. And the truck is not even a real thing. I don't know. Make it really conceptual and like tear it the fuck apart or very
1: realistic and hyper aware. I respect that. (laughs) I don't see the, unless we really change the show, I don't see it working too much as like a concept performance art piece. But like, I love it just being in a parking lot of a used car lot in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming or something. And Montana.
2: I think that's where this kind of material would thrive. Whereas like for a Broadway musical, it doesn't, resonate yeah
1: i want full immersive experience i want people in character from the second they come in i want people after they buy their tickets to have to put their name in to the drawing whether it be that there's an actual contest at the end of closing night or that there's a raffle for a truck i want people to feel like they're a part of it and that goes into my greater concept of it just being a fully immersive show where for example characters like dawn are in the bleachers with the patrons doing their thing and the characters that come back to watch come in and just sit in the audience with the patrons like there isn't a, a a spectator set where the actors who are now spectators go they just meld in with the audience.
2: Have you guys seen this set for the most recent revival of Oklahoma? Yes mm-hmm. I think that sort of vibe in the round with like big flags, maybe hay everywhere, the car absolutely center. But instead of like nice theater seats, it's bleachers. It's something or there's there's standing room or you can be on stage standing like you can in that Oklahoma revival I think
1: there's corn dogs there's kegs there's red solo cup
2: absolutely that sounds like a good time that sounds like what the vibe of this show is supposed to be whereas if it's in a proscenium and you're all the way in the back and there's this giant truck you can't really even see their faces it's just gonna become like a caricature
0: this segues into my obligatory proscenium theater is the death of theater rant (laughs) (laughs) this show should never ever ever be performed in proscenium theater because the truck is an enormous obstacle that is not an aid to the choreographer as many choreographers would like to tell you in all the articles that i've read that they're like oh it's it's great because the truck's there so i know i have to move it and i was like yeah having to move something and moving it for a purpose are two different things so i truly believe that if if you are going to do the show um you should do it where the where it is in bleachers instead of like the traditional thrust theater where the audience can be beneath the stage because it's really important that the audience can always see above the truck and yep bleachers <laughs> and all four sides not have yeah mm-hmm. i really like into in the round for this show i did a, a drawing a design drawing here
1: wow who's surprised if you want to see the drawing subscribe to our patreon <laughs> Yep. shameless plug
0: but i completely i completely agree with kayla it's the whole thing should feel really immersive and and realistic. And the actors should be as much a part of the community as the audience is.
1: All right, I have some characters to rant about. Feel free to cut in. If you don't, I will just shout for many minutes. So we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but there's this whole plot line. We're going to cut it. It's gross, involving cheating and the dealership and just all the stuff that wasn't in the documentary doesn't feel authentic. And without that storyline, we really don't need two representatives of the competition. So I cut the character Mike and just kept Cindy. There's also a character, Frank, who comes in to announce when people drop off and sings the hands on a hard body song for no reason. He's like the radio representative, and I hate him and he annoys me, and I forget why he's there. <laughs> and I want him to just be over one of those like classic kind of rodeo style loudspeakers instead and like be a pre-recorded voice and kind of crackly and like very radio. I think that would be way more fun and it would save you money and rehearsal time. The character of JD needs to be totally relooked at because in the documentary he's this just sweet little old man trying to win a little truck for his wife and he's such a dick for out of nowhere he's an Once.
0: absolute dick
1: this poor man sold his life rights for this slander
0: when he wins the truck it's like really like well and their relationship
1: the whole
2: entire thing between jd and virginia is the most generic white bread absolutely I have all these no th- yep. creativity whatsoever love story and I don't care and he's not a good enough person that I care anyway so I just don't care about him and yeah. he's a character you kind of need to care about
1: okay one last character is Jesus leave him alone he literally never once speaks Spanish in the doc he's just a brown person he is clearly fluent in English studying to become a veterinarian. So like, yeah, maybe he's also fluent in Spanish. If you wanna like show him on the phone talking to his mom or even maybe talking with Norma because she's usually Latina, fine. But like, there is no reason that this man who was born and raised in Texas would go around speaking Spanish at racist white people who already despise him for the color of his skin and ostracize himself further. It doesn't make any sense. It just sets him up to do a weird cause song and I'm mad about it. Let Jesus be a real person and not like this weird Spanish caricature, stop.
2: That's exactly what I said. I'm also really not interested in what white people have to say about being a brown person growing up in Texas. That's not a white person's story to tell, and it feels forced and generic instead of personal and deep, and it's just not okay anymore, so I would want to rewrite his character completely from the bottom up and diversify.
0: A lot of the characters in this show are generic. There wasn't enough, like, backstory in the documentary, so they had to create backstories, but they didn't create nuanced backstories. They, didn't they just not create said, people. Well, how-? No, they didn't.
1: And I feel like it would no. have been relatively easy to do because they had to get all these people's life rights, which means they talked to all these people. They should have conducted extensive interviews and really, like, tried to build these nuanced people. And obviously, you have to simplify some stuff to get it across on stage in 90 minutes. But, like, the things that you do show can be genuine
2: the source material was right there. There's just not an excuse for these characters to be as underdeveloped as they are.
0: Now, Emma, we normally cut characters, but I see here that you want to add some characters to this show.
2: I want to, if I could rewrite it.
0: Well, that, that, That's what we're here for. That's, we're... That is
2: the whole show. Sweet. I would cut the dealership plotline. I don't care. It's generic. I would cut so much of the, like, fat off of JD in Virginia, and it, it, it doesn't need to be there. And maybe if you're gonna do the musical, do the musical about making the documentary. What was that like? Who made the documentary? Then that also gives you an outlet to have real people singing these songs and real people there and have a way into it without it being... I just I don't think this story works necessarily for the, ha-ha-ha-ha, ha-ha, musical theater. We're dancing now, and here comes a big number. It's just not that kind of story.
1: Yeah, I think that that could definitely work. I like the idea of framing it through the making of the documentary. Because even the documentary, like, the filmmaker doesn't really speak, but he definitely, you feel his perspective throughout. And he's definitely- Oh, yeah. The presence is there. And so maybe removing that lens entirely was one of the issues.
2: Absolutely. I think that also could just- open up the ability to use different technology too. So like in Network and West Side Story, a big thing that a lot of shows are doing right now is using actual cameras on stage to get complete in-depth headshots and project it on stage. It's a very easy way to make the acting more simplified and get real people on stage and watch acting that's more subdued, if that makes any sense
1: whatsoever. (laughs) All right, I see Max Um, has a little bit to say about music before we head into the show itself.
0: Yes, the music in this show, I I first of all have a total problem with all the music in this show, but this show is so heavily character-driven. In fact, for the most part, it's, it's like you're watching Redneck Chorus Line. It is about the characters more than it is about the competition. And so I want... I want to give this the Sondheim time treatment and I want to ensure that our characters throughout the show have light motifs so that we recognize their hands and things and we recognize where they have more presence in the story just from a subconscious musical perspective I love light motifs and I feel like this show can ex- really benefit from some light motifing I love that Is that a word I'm coining it. Yeah. <laughs> Now for our deep dive.
1: So as you may know, if you've been with us the last couple episodes, we kind of go through song by song and talk about it a little bit. So before we even go into the opening number in going with my concept of it being kind of immersive, I like the idea of before any kind of bells ring, whatever, to call people to their seats, they start doing the drawing and we can see the characters react to getting their names called and like go up to sign in or whatever. And then people kind of realize the show's starting. They can make their way to their seats, do that kind of thing. But it gives them a few minutes to get into the world of the show before that opening number.
0: I like that a lot.
1: And then human drama kind of thing. Benny introduces the rules, and it makes it seem like his his competition. And like, I'm fine with him saying snarky shit like, oh, I knew that already. I've been done, been here. But I want Cindy to introduce the rules. It's her competition. She's the one giving away a truck she should be giving it not only to the actors, but to the audience so that they know how it works and and really making it a, a community experience.
2: Yes, to all of that. That's the feel of it. That's what would change the oddly formal feeling of the musical.
0: Just to give it a lot more organic feeling. Personally, I don't understand why you have a human drama kind of thing. And then if I had this truck, They are two songs that fundamentally do the same thing. So I did not do the the work of this. Kayla did a lot of work for this, which you can find on the Patreon. But I just want to do a complete merge of if I had this truck and a human drama kind of thing. And we just make them into one five-minute opening number and that's it. We don't need both opening numbers.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's... Basically, what I said I wanted to do, too, is the the beginning of this opening number is just not exciting and does not feel like an opening number at all. So I wanted to start it around the three minute mark and then merge it with if I add this truck.
1: All right. So the next song on the album is If She Don't Sleep. But we're not going there yet because I changed it. So fight me. Um, Stronger. It shows up a lot later. Don't worry about it. Stronger Part One now exists. So something that I loved in the documentary and could be done so much better in the musical is Benny being like, no one could beat me unless there may be a Marine right out of the service. And then Chris is like, hello, I'm a Marine right out of the service. And so (laughs) I love the idea of of Benny giving that line, Chris removing his hoodie, as it says in the script, to show like his Marine t-shirt and then having this song that's an up-tempo version of stronger and Chris acting out what Benny perceives him to be like I'm the strongest man you've ever seen I've I've gone through thick and thin I've stayed up for 76 hours and I didn't even blink I'm not trying to rhyme right now don't we'll cut that but yeah Chris acting and singing as Benny would expect him to be setting him up as this macho I'm gonna kick your ass Benny even though he doesn't know or give a fuck who Benny is it would set this really nice juxtaposition for the very vulnerable moment Chris has later where he shows that his external strength and his internal strength maybe aren't matching up at the moment and I think it'd be funny Humor's nice
0: you could use a leitmotif to create Chris's character for stronger we move on to she don't sleep which I I'm gonna do the treatment that I did for the first two numbers and I'm actually going to mix she don't sleep with alone with me alone with me is really weak and she don't sleep it it just kind of feels like it runs off into the woods for no reason (laughs) like it it creates their like beautiful relationship of of these two that truly do love each other but there's a lot so much put on that stupid two-ton air conditioner uh so I I would want to mix She Don't Sleep and Alone With Me so that we can show a juxtaposition between these these two people who have a really strong relationship and these two people who have a relationship that's failing. The nice thing is the work's already done for us. It's in the same key and the actual tempo is only uh, 10 beats per minute off. So it's pretty easy to fix that one.
1: Okay. My problem right there is a banger. It slaps. Next question. I'm sorry we're not quite ready for next question but I appreciate your enthusiasm <laughs> this is another song that kind of just goes into the weeds or as Max says into the woods because sometime I guess first verse is great and then it starts talking about how he has problems with women and all this stuff that's not really related and I feel like another issue with the show is that it tries to focus on things outside of the world of the show and it's like we are here, we are now, we are with this truck. Let's focus on this truck and our relationships with the truck and with each other around the truck and not really let the outside world in so much. The I don't verse. care enough. Yeah, and we don't have time to care enough, unfortunately. It
2: feels so forced in. There are so many things because plot and uh, plot. Like the, the source material had enough plot and I'm in the world enough already that you don't have to. Yeah, don't force feed it. It's Just... wasting everyone's time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> So first verse is fine. And then I want the second verse to be Benny. So Benny bullying Ronald about his techniques because right after this song, Ronald drops out. And so instead of Ronald just saying, oh, it's my problem that I didn't sleep, the next verse would be like Benny saying, oh, it's your problem that you're eating wrong. It's your problem that you're wearing the wrong shoes. It's your problem. You know, just Benny really getting down on ronald and him taking it to heart and then dropping out i think that that would be an early way of establishing benny's character as kind of like this smug asshole without having to do all of the really heavy-handed stuff they end up throwing in later
2: absolutely completely agree that's brilliant
0: okay i've already said i'm merging alone with me and she don't sleep so we can just skip right over that burn that bridge we're, all three of us have cut the dealership plot line so burn that bridge is cut
2: bye <laughs> Fuck i'm you, gone
0: Mike. this mm. is an amazing song i love i'm gone the characters are so beautiful it's like a, it's a well crafted music theater song
1: like it's going it in my works. book. i love it i'm obsessed with
0: it this Just say about song I'm is gone? really
1: sweet i like the lyrics i don't
2: particularly like when it's sung very pingy i think it should be more of a like a country style ballad per se, rather than a very pingy musical theater song. It just is the wrong vibe for the kind of show I would want to direct. Yeah, so that makes total sense. I want to keep it, but I don't want that to be the the ingenue song. I don't want there to be another scene going on at the same time so that she's in like a spotlight with the guitar. But I want the hands on a hard body contest in the middle to never stop there should be stuff going on at that point.
1: I think it's an effective I want song for two characters and it really establishes our first relationship that's built around this track. the
0: competition, Because I think
1: we've maybe already had a JD and Benny scene or two, but it's the first song where we see two people who didn't know each other before this connecting. And that's where that come from away chorus line goodness really starts to get built, is in those moments. Okay, Uncontrollable Laughter I Just Can't Believe is a track at all like I love it in the show I love it in context I'm so confused as to why it's on Spotify (laughs) Uh,
2: because it's the best song in the whole soundtrack
0: next question
2: (laughs) I love it it's uncomfortable to listen to and I really like audio that does not sound pleasant I think it's really important to have I want that uncontrollable laughter to be played throughout as contestants drop out So at the very end of that track, he says, that's the sound you hear when you're going insane. I want it to just get louder and more obnoxious as everyone in the contest is still left there. I would rather that be used as a sound effect rather than a song.
0: Can I propose a contrary point for your production of this? Is Um, it a leitmotif? It's not a leitmotif. It's using Emma's idea. My friend Lando, who was on our first episode, he's a sound designer. And one of the things that he does um, is he'll take sounds and he'll stretch them out over a very long period of time, but preserve the pitch of the sound. And I think it'd be very interesting if it's to show the The sort of insanity or the the mental deterioration of these characters, if it just slowly stretched out as characters drop out throughout the play, I think that'd be really interesting for your production.
2: Hundred sounds spooky. I love it. You're hired.
0: (laughs) Joy the Lord. (laughs) It's a it's it's fun.
1: (laughs) I'm Jewish and I love listening to it. I think it is just. It may just be the performance. I don't know. But I think it effectively starts to establish relationships between Norma and Ronald, which comes back later. And I think it's kind of fun to be like, who around the truck believes in God? Because especially in a place like Texas, that is a hugely divisive thing. Like there are the Christians and there are the non-Christians. And I think that that's a really great moment to see that.
2: And that's so true of Texas and of that environment. So like my mom's best friend, she's a nurse. She just moved to Texas. She is actively lying about where she goes to church. So she does not get ostracized by the people under her. There is a difference between the people that believe in God and the people that don't. And that sets up such a beautiful tension because they're all in – they can't not be near each other they can't walk away if they're engaged in conversation like when people pass you religious tracks at the mall i'm like cool and i'm walking the other way there's no
1: escape and that's where this show can be so great is in the human drama kind of things
0: oh my god so we're going to move into stronger Um, part two part two in kayla's production when we were first at the very beginning getting our first impressions kayla absolutely hated stronger and i I knew from the very beginning, this was an extremely important number, but the problem is the musical tone is completely wrong. Absolutely. The musical tone is the same throughout the number and it doesn't show the, the thing that is actually what this number is, which is this character is begging to be stronger when he, when he inside doesn't believe he is. The song really needs to feel like he's trying to build himself up and always losing and always losing it. I wrote in the doc, for every step forward he takes, it should feel like he's falling backwards two steps.
1: Okay, Olivia Rodrigo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I wrote another note here that I think is really important and it it, it proves how bad the music is for this number when you are reading the script side by side while listening to the music the song is instantly a hundred times better than it is and that's how you know the music is bad
2: yeah i want to take a sledgehammer to the music of this song the lyrics can stay i guess but it 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 it, it feels so like and now is my big i'm a man in this show number it's forced it's unoriginal it's uninspired and it could be so good because the source material is actually beautiful and it's something that needs to be talked about that i don't see talked about in musical theater a lot actually so that could be cool if you gave him a guitar or something subdued and made it in the same vibe as like hurt by johnny cash
0: are we ready to move into haunt with the Hunt with the big dogs. This is a, a small rant, not related to my version of this production, because there's not going to be two acts. It is not an end of act one song. There's nothing in it that creates an environment that puts me on the edge of this, uh, the edge of my seat, at the to the point where I'm like, oh, how is this show going to end? What's going to bring me back from intermission? It fails as an end of act one song. Being Emma, said, remember
1: when we saw Heather's at New World Stages and that last, "Our Love Is God." chord hits and then the lights came up we just sat in silence in our seats for like five minutes just being like what the fuck that's an effective end of act one song
2: it is and it makes you want to go back and watch it Mm -hmm. nothing about this number is like i would like more of that please it's just there
0: i would like to actually propose Cutting this song entirely and throwing in a different song about the physical and mental toll that this competition is taking. Because if we're, if we're living in this world of the competition where this thing takes 91 hours, I think that's what it is in the musical, that it takes 91 hours. At this point, we're about 45 hours into this. People are already struggling. <laughs> and I would love a number about just the honest and real struggle of being there. And just standing there at this truck, there's not a number like that in the show. Why?
1: <laughs> yeah, we need a check-in with everyone. Mm-hmm. It's very, it's definitely due. All right, so now we hit the title song, "Hands on a Hard Body," and it makes me in the middle of the show so angy. It's fine. So the fact that this had to be put in as a diegetic song, which essentially means the the script tells you now we're going to sing a song here it is shows that it it's shit we are already you are watching a musical and the song is so bad that they're like we can't just sing this we have to be like this character is going to sing a song or they just won't believe what they're hearing <laughs> it is garbage i cut the character i'm cutting the song
0: also cutting the song there's no point <laughs>
1: There's a
2: place for a song like this, like a big, rowdy line dance number. Like, let's oh, get yeah. the audience involved. Let's let's do it like Rocky Horror.
1: Yeah, it could be like, oh, it's the 15-minute break in the six hours. Everybody get up and stretch out. And especially in the immersive production, like the audience could do it. 100%. I love a time warp moment. Yeah,
2: and it gets everybody up. It is a great place to put this in the show because it's like downer, downer. Now we're having... Fun and rem- we're getting rowdy that have people in the audience going back and pouring shots and little fake red solo cups like make it fun. But the song is not fun. It's painful almost a little bit. It sounds like you pulled all of the lyrics you had to write out of a hat, and then put them in a different arrangement with the five different keywords that you needed to hit in this particular titular song. Have you seen the Footloose remake? There's a Footloose remake? <laughs> there is a Footloose remake with uh, Julianne Huff. She's in it. There's a huge dance number in it where they all go to the bar and they're all line dancing and it's fake ID is the, that song. And it's like rock and roll. It's awesome. The vibe of it is cool. Everyone's sweating. They're dancing. They're screaming. That would be so much better. <laughs> That's the most similar Mm. scene I can come up with that has the type of song I'm envisioning because I know absolutely nothing about music and I don't even know where to begin to talk about what I would want musically other than LMAO, make it fun.
0: This next number, Kayla is going to do a major rant about this number.
1: Born in Laredo is what's wrong with musical theater.
0: (laughs) But I want to do a a quick side note. The, the, The playwright... The lyricist, the composer, the director, their political views are way too heavily laced into this show. And there are so many left-leaning winks to the audience to be like, mm, we, know, we know we're performing this on Broadway, so wouldn't it absolutely be better if like people weren't racist? And it, it's infinitely annoying to me.
1: Wouldn't it be nice if they weren't racist? <laughs> <laughs> this song is lazy and unearned. If you're going to have any song like this, I've never thought I'd say these words, but you're going to need more microaggressions. <laughs> Nothing has really led up to this, except for the page before. They're like, speak English or something very stereotypical racist garbage. And then he's like, oh, they were saying they're going to have to check his green card or something. It was stupid. I just hate the song. It's not character motivated. It is clearly like a cause song. And it it's just making Jesus again, like one of the few brown people in the show, a vehicle for some white man's words. And that's bullshit.
2: Absolutely. And like, even if more microaggressions were added, I don't want that written by white people that you need to have more diversity on the writing team to go in and do rewrites. Because it's just not okay to tell stories that don't belong to us. And it's obvious in how underwritten it is that this is a struggle that the writer has not faced. <laughs> this show, I think, sits very comfortable in the pre-Trump era. It is completely politically different now. This is coming in a time before we had the, the Cheeto destroy so much of relations. And I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. He fucked us all up. And we're a lot more fucked up now. I have the same issue with a lot of shows that come just before the Obama era. They think racism is something that, like, we can solve by singing about it and holding hands. And it's not – no one's talking about systemically why this is an issue. And if you're going to bring it up, bring it up right. Don't just play white savior. And here's our song for our Hispanic character, and now we've done our diversity homework. We fixed racism. No. Yeah. No, no, you haven't. I'm interested to see what this song could look like if it was actually written by a Latin ex songwriter, or about a struggle that a Latinx person faces from their perspective. Because it, I don't. I was listening to it and I was like, this is just uncomfortable to listen to now. Because that it poor actor. Sounds so white.
1: like i know you just got to do what you do and take home your paycheck i don't judge him at all like but i feel bad that he had to pretend that this was okay
2: (laughs) it just needs to be gutted and given way more than a fresh coat of paint but like a new structure
1: transmission even
0: oh Uh, we'll move right into alone with me reprise i would cut it in my opinion
1: i disagree i think that Right now, the J.D. Virginia thing doesn't work. But again, I love the contrast between Janice and Dawn characters with J.D. and Virginia. And so I think that if there was actually work done to flesh out the relationships, then it could be saved. And I also just think it's it's I think it's nice to come back to it and have a little bit of old man self-reflection. Because we also J.D. is going to win pretty soon and we don't care about him yet. And so we do need something to get us there.
0: Do we even care about him at exactly. the end? Exactly.
1: You can't
2: this is the only saving grace he really has as a character. And it's all because of his wife. Nothing about him makes him a likable character. Which so, is so
1: sad, because in the documentary he's lovely. He is. <laughs>
2: he's like a charming old, like slightly creepy dude that you Meet at the bagel shop like, he's like he's your so... grandpa's
1: friend he's yeah. like a little bit too friendly to you and you're like oh that's a little creepy but we're gonna let it go
2: you're like i'm uncomfortable but i guess you're endearing yes and that's what I want. we just lose that completely like you can still be a dick and be likable two things can be true you can lean into that like
1: red from that 70s show But I feel like that's Benny's domain and we need to let characters be distinct because Benny, I feel like is supposed to be kind of an anti-hero, but a little bit likable. I don't know. Benny's weird. That's valid. They
0: don't succeed in that.
1: (laughs) No, they don't. They don't succeed at characterizing anyone except kind of Kelly for one second and then she's gone again.
2: Yeah, everyone else is sort of grossly over-characterized. But I think that is needed for the medium of musical theater in general.
0: We can move into another propaganda piece. It's a fix.
1: Oh, you mean how they are in the world of the show for the first verse and then completely leave it in the second? Where have we seen this before? <laughs> oh, in every song? <laughs> Th-
0: this this song is almost already written for you in the documentary. She rants forever in the documentary about this. And it's
1: and And it's so
0: funny. There's no reason that you need to tell me that she's poor and would go collect food stamps. Also, Janice would
1: never. The Janice that we know, she would literally never.
0: I I have a note here that says, um, when you create a strong world with characters that are struggling, just like people in our world, the audience will get what you're trying to say. You don't have to be overt about it like they were in this fucking show.
1: I'm going to say how people are cheating in this competition, but also people cheat. In other things. And it's like, yeah, people can come to that conclusion in their own brains. You don't have to be like, also, people cheat at Monopoly. Also, people cheat on welfare. Also, people cheat in elections. Also, yeah, people cheat at other stuff. Cool. Totally. It just truck. feels
2: over explained. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. And it's super, super easy to cut. I literally, for the fun of it, cut from the 40 second mark to one minute and 38 seconds. And you could not it's tell seamless. there was a cut at all.
1: I want her going crazy with exhaustion and accusing everyone of cheating differently. Like, I want her to be like, Heather lifted her hand to put on her lipstick and and Greg scratched his nose three hours ago. He saw his mom and waved high. Just really direct going off on everyone. And it's clearly just like really needs a nap. That's what I want this song to be. A toddler having a tantrum. Because sleep deprivation will do that. I love
2: that absolutely and that can be short that can be sweet it can have Mm. the same dramatic effect it can have the same thematic effect and it can be done in half the time
0: i am about to say something that might be offensive so we'll see if kayla chooses to cut it um there has been nothing in this show so far to show us that janice or doc are in any way above a middle school education why the fuck are you referring to greek how does she magically pull bribing the boatman from the river Styx in the Greek underworld out of her ass? Like, it's like you're completely unaware of who your character is.
1: Yeah, it just doesn't make sense with the lexicon.
0: Yeah, basically, you can cut the beginning part and just say, it seems like the playwrights are completely unaware of who their character is when they're throwing arbitrary
1: references to Greek yes. myths. Yeah, it's
2: fucking stupid. That's a really good point. I haven't thought about that before. And now it's going to
1: bother me. Yep. (laughs) Good nitpick.
0: Used to be. Used to be is a really lazy song. What song do you know in music theater that is objectively good and is just listing shit? Because that's what used to be is. It's not good and all it does is list shit. There are much better ways to write nostalgic songs. I've put it as references, No Time at All from Pippin, Sunrise, Sunset from Fiddler on the Roof, A Way Back to Then from Title of Show. These are not tonally the same as used to be, but they are examples of how you can write a nostalgic song that is not just listing off things that have changed.
1: I do like singing Applebee's, but that's it. Yeah, it,
2: it's unnecessary to me. I, I would. I don't remember it. It's not memorable. I don't care. I feel like this show as a whole has too many songs also
1: yes Just, yes
2: it, it, if we're trimming the fat it's gonna go yeah
0: yep, yep. Gone. Um, Bye. the next song speaking of <laughs> fat, the it's a fix reprise since we've cut the since everybody has cut the dealership b plot this song has to go so it's gone bye thank god we're i have safe. a legitimate bye. question for the two of you what is god answered my prayers i honestly don't know I've written here, is this a song that's about completely losing faith? Or is it a song where the character finally recognizes that there is a plan that God has that he has no control over?
1: All I see is him rolling in self-pity. It's gross and I don't want it.
0: The music doesn't make any sense because the whole time it's him rolling in self-pity. And then in the end, he says, God's answered my prayers. But it's like, how did you get to that? How did you get to that end point? How did you get there?
1: well if I pray for something that I didn't get and God said no like shut up Benny I, I'd cut it I,
0: I don't understand what this song is at all and I guess it's supposed to be the song that makes you like care about Benny but we are so close to the end of this show it's too late
2: yeah it's kind of like okay that happens it doesn't make up for this character being underwritten mm.
1: It's just not extraordinary. And the extraordinary things that Benny has dealt with in the libretto aren't reflected well here at all, because it's talking about how he lost his son to suicide and stuff in the libretto. And this song just doesn't do his story justice whatsoever. I'd say scrap it. If you're going to give Benny a song to make us care about him, it needs to be earlier in the show. And it needs to be better than this.
2: It's almost like there was a deadline. And they're like, yes. uh, uh, He needs a song uh we'll just talk
1: about the uh the, the, this he believes in god but different than norma
0: speaking of believing in god and norma joy of the lord reprise
1: the song made total sense to me on the soundtrack i was like okay she's going a little nutty and then she's like raise her hand to pray and she's clapping and digging the lord and then i read the libretto and it was like jesus has left me because her her cassette player dies or mm-hmm. walkman i guess it would be walkman in the 90s i don't know her her portable music player dies, and she's like, Jesus has left me. It's this whole weird losing her faith thing after her faith being so strong through this whole thing. This is so out of character. This song would be fine as long as the scene before was her seeing the cassette player dying as Jesus telling her it's okay to let go. And that this isn't the thing for her. There's something else out there waiting, and she has to go get be it. beautiful. And it makes more sense for the character. Because she wouldn't just yeah. go through her life being a crazy devout woman and then just be like, Oh, my cassette player died because that's how batteries work. Guess Jesus has abandoned me.
0: (laughs) I've made it 91 hours into this competition and then my cassette player dies and now I've lost faith in God.
1: (laughs) I get sleep deprivation does weird things to people, but not that weird. No. (laughs) So keep the song the way it is. Fix the script. All right. Keep your hands on it.
0: It's a closing number. I don't know. It's
1: not the closing number.
0: (laughs) It is actually.
1: No, the triers is.
0: Nope. It's not in the script. The triers is, is not, not in script. the script. The triers is a ovation number.
1: Oh, damn. I can't read, I guess. That's really throwing me off, Max. Thanks for that.
0: Yep. That's why I put under the triers, LOL. What's the point?
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's just start over talking about keep your hands on it.
0: Okay. Keep your hands on it. It's, it's a closing number. And first of all, I'm cutting the world record thing because it actually didn't happen in the documentary.
2: Yeah, why would yeah you? I would do?
0: There's no need to add that extra drama. We have the drama created within the characters. We don't need some umbrella drama to exist.
2: I say again, it's there because plot to make up for the characters being underwritten.
0: And then I've, I have another question in here. Is this song just too much of like a post-exposition dump onto the audience? Like yeah. it's just kind of like there's a lot of loose loose threads here. Let's tie them all up as quickly as we can. And that's what this song feels like.
1: I feel like it's trying to do what like the random sporadic closed caption moments would do in the documentary because it was really inconsistent, but occasionally there'd be text on the screen. And I feel like this song is just all of those, but trying to put it in a song.
2: Yeah, I don't think you need it. It takes time that doesn't add anything. Why is it there?
1: It's again trying to make us like JD. So late in the game. I just, I really think that the end of the show needs to be completely reworked. I mean, there's the triers, which is yeah. pretty, but like doesn't really do anything. I thought that it was the closing until two minutes ago because I'm stupid.
0: Um,
1: <laughs> I don't know. I just really think rewrite the whole show and then see what the ending looks like then. It's hard to even yeah. say what the ending should look like without doing all of the body work.
0: Mm-hmm. Now that we've wrapped the show, I, I did some quick math for my production. The original show is an hour and twelve minutes with my cuts of songs and merging the songs. Two hours, twelve minutes? I you said an hour and no, 12 minutes. one hour, twelve minutes is the original album, just the music itself. Okay. Got it. With my cuts, it comes out down to fifty-one minutes, so you can easily make a ninety-minute to seventy-five-minute show out of that.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us, Emma. It was really fun to have you on. Thanks for having me. You are I love like, Emma.
0: Where can our audience <laughs> find you?
2: I'm on Instagram at Emma M McKean. I also have my own website, Emma Dash McKean. And I have some of my poetry on there. And I also have my original sketch comedy series, Two Pretty Best
1: Friends, on YouTube. All right. Well, if you want to see some images from today's episode, you can check us out on Instagram at getitrightpod.
0: If you want to email us, you can email us at evergetitrightpod at gmail.com.
1: If you want to give us your money and, in exchange, get some delightful bonus content, you can find us on Patreon.
0: And please give us a review on whatever podcast app you use. Those reviews are what tell future listeners that our podcast is a good podcast that they should listen to.
1: Or you can just tell them yourself. Recommend us to a friend. Make them listen with you. We can all be friends. All four of us can hang out in your earphones and it'll be a great time.
0: If every single one of you recommends us to another friend, we've doubled our audience. It's like magic.
1: (laughs) A theater major doing math. That's a note to end on. See you guys in two weeks. Bye. Cheers.